4. And let's just read them in unison. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. The Word of God says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word, these powerful verses that we read. I pray you give us insight today into these truths that can help us to be more like you. You are a generous God. You're the giver of all good things. Gave us your Son. And Lord, we live in a selfish world, a covetous, greedy world. Help us to be generous like you were and like you want us to be. So Lord, teach us your book. Give us the faith to obey and to prove you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. This is a powerful portion of scripture where Jesus is teaching the group listening how to give. You say, well, I know how to give. You just put it in something in your hand and hold it out. Well, there's more to giving than that. And the truth is, God made us to be generous. The Lord desires us to be generous. But I think we would all agree that our sin nature tends to be pretty selfish. Now, some of you are more generous by default than others. My wife is very generous. I mean, she used to give my stuff away. And I'd be like, why are you giving that away? She's like, you don't use it. It's mine. <laughs> you know, I'm like a three-year-old. It's mine. It's mine. It's mine. <clears throat> and what I find is most people can be generous with one thing, but not so generous with another. For example, my wife is very generous with stuff, but she's very protective of time. Time means it's harder for her to give time, not necessarily her time, uh, my time, than others. Now, When we first got married, we realized she was very generous with stuff, but she values time. I'm very generous with time, but I don't want to give away my stuff, right? And so most of you will have some areas of life where you're more generous, and you'll have other areas of life where you're more stingy. And my wife helped me to become uh, more generous with things between her and the Lord. And she's now very generous with everything. Matter of fact, she's too generous. I wish she wasn't so generous. Now, she's a a wonderful lady, but she's very giving. Uh, She'll give time, talent, treasure, anything. Matter of fact, she was weeping the other day because she heard that somebody needed something that we couldn't provide for them. She just wished that she could do something to help, and she's just weeping over over the fact that, that we couldn't do anything to help. And... I don't know that I'm that good of a Christian. I wasn't weeping. I was like, yeah, let's pray for him. <laughs> you know? So we all are on this spiritual journey of generosity, aren't we? 
One thing we can agree on is that God wants us to be generous. God is generous. The Bible says all things come from above. He is the great giver. The Bible says He gave us His greatest possession when He gave us His Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. What you find is once you give something of great importance that's hard to give, it gets easier to give all the, the lesser things. Does that make sense to you? Uh, that's why a great act of sacrifice actually makes you a more generous giver. The Bible teaches something similar in Romans chapter 8, that he which gave us his son, how shall he not also freely give us all things? The Bible says God gave you the best he had. He's not being stingy with wealth and health and, and blessing and all this stuff. He gave you his literal best. He's not being stingy with the smaller stuff. <clears throat> and so this idea of generosity, and it's interesting here in Matthew chapter 6, close to the beginning of our Lord's public ministry, one of the first lessons he gives is on giving, how to give. And the Bible says here, take heed that ye do your alms before men. Alms is a specific type of giving. <clears throat> it is a giving from one person to another. So seeing a homeless person on the street and you stop and give them money or food, that's an alms. It's one person to another. You're helping out someone else. But we read here that the Pharisees did this. They, they gave in a proud way. They actually gave with the motive of wanting people to think better than them. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's not how we're going to do this. So if you read the, the scriptures again, <clears throat> he said, take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. See, this is the motive, to be seen of them. Motive matters when it comes to giving, as in all things. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. And then compare that to verse 4. That thine alms may be in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee what? Openly. So here some people give, but they give with the motive to be seen. They give with the motive to... <clears throat> Man, i got a $5 bill here. Woo! Looks like somebody chewed on it. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened. This $5 bill's been through it, folks. If this $5 bill could talk... It would tell some stories. And uh, so some people, they see somebody in need, and man, they make a show of it. Oh, they make, yeah. All right, so Swan's in need. And so we come along to Swan, and, and I say, oh, man, Swan, you're in need, aren't you? Man, what do you need, Swan? Need, you need $5? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's right. If you had great faith, you would ask for 20 But... Uh, <laughs> What do you need, Swan? Whatever you got in your hand. <clears throat> I'll take it. And so let's say I say, wow, Swan, Swan needs $5. And I say, you know what? And maybe he and I are just having a private conversation. I call, hey, Brother Pash, come on over here. Look at Swan. He needs $5. Hey, Jonathan, do you know Swan needs $5? Hey, Joe, do you know Swan needs? Ken, you know Swan needs $5? Tony, you know Swan needs $5? Man, he needs $5. <laughs> there you go. And you know what? I just happen to have $5 here. Swan, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you $5. And I want, no, no, hey. This is hypothetical, brother. This is hypothetical. And you know what? I'm going to give this to you. But now I've just created a crowd, and they all know I'm giving him $5. Is that a blessing? 
The Bible says, it's a blessing to him, <laughs> but the Bible says you don't have a reward of your father because you, you got what you were seeking out. Let's try this in. The applause of men. You got what you were seeking. But if you do it privately with a sincere motive, you give them the $5, nobody in the world knows. And God says, I'm going to reward you openly. Now, what would you rather have? The fleeting positive thoughts of other people or God himself to say, I'm going to bless you in a way that everybody's going to see it. I think I'll take the latter. Amen? Sometimes the Pharisees, they'd make a big show of it. <clears throat> they'd be driving out. Oh, coming down the street. Oh, I see Swan here laying on the road. Oh, it needs help. Oh, Swan. And they'd talk real loud, get a bunch of attention. The Pharisees were known for praying pretentious prayers in public flowery prayers, and perhaps we'd say, God, I know you need five dollars, and I'm going to pray for you, you know, and a crowd starts to get it. Oh, God, Jehovah Jireh, God of Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, he's a, he's a southern Pharisee, and Jacob, oh, God, and then we pray for him, and then here's five dollars, you know what, people walk away going, well, that guy can pray, man, look at that, he's generous. God says, you got your reward, Swan, I'll give you $5. Come on up and get it. Oh, God. <laughs> See, I have my reward. I did it in front of all of you. If, I, if I'd been smart, I would have given it to him private after service. Now, sometimes people take this the wrong way, and they are so afraid to be seen giving anything because they're going to lose their reward. People seeing you is not the issue, right? It's the heart motive. God says, I'm not going to reward your selfish motives, but I will reward your generous heart. If somebody sees you give money, you can't, as long as you're not making a show about it, maybe you're not even thinking about it, God's like, man, that's a blessing. But it's, it's our own heart. So here God begins to teach us how to give. The sad fact is that most people, even when they're generous, they have a selfish motive. And God says, I want you to give. It's good to give. It's good to take care of the people who are in need around you. But do it the right way. And so I want to use this as just kind of a, a starting place today to give you a... It's, some of you know this. Some of you perhaps never heard it. We all need to be reminded. One of the jobs of a preacher is to bring people into remembrance. Just to constantly remind us of things. I want to give us today four types of biblical giving. There are four types of giving in the Bible that all of us should be practicing on a regular basis. <clears throat> all right? Now, let me just say that I know some people get tense whenever the preacher talks about money. You folks know this, uh, and people online who watch regularly know this. We're not, I'm not a televangelist. I'm not up here selling hankies that I've prayed over. I'm not up here, we don't get up here and beg for money. The truth is I probably don't talk about money enough because when we give people the biblical principles of wealth and talk about money, then it's a blessing to us whenever we obey those things and we follow those things. Uh, I'll even occasionally forget to take up an offering, which I probably should lose my preacher's card for that. But um, sometimes people say, hey, Pastor, you forgot to take an offering. Oh, you're right. Let's, let's take that up. 
my mind, if you know me, my mind is not, is not on money. It's, there's far more important things to do. But as we talked about in Sunday school, money is a necessary part of life. We need money personally to take care of our families, to put food on the table, to put a roof over our heads, to put uh, clothes on our backs, to put gas in the car and vehicles and get to work and all those things. So a lot of times people say, well, money's the root of all evil, but they're wrong. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. So money's like a greasy wrench. You can use it to fix things and help people, or you can use it to bonk people over the head and, and kill them. All right? Money's kind of the same thing. It's how you use it is what makes it good or evil and what it does in our own heart. <clears throat> but in, a, in our materialistic world, most Christians, especially American Christians, are so focused on materialism. Materialism has crept into our lives without us even knowing it. And even the best of us, if we think that we've probably got this material thing in check, I promise you it would be convicting to be around some Christians from around the world. And then it kind of shines the light on how attached we are to the fine things that we've become accustomed to. Uh, And so what we're focusing on today is these four types of giving, and we're pointing them out so we can all take part in them. The blessings are in the giving. Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen? And so that's really where the blessings are. As much as we love to get things, it's actually better more enjoyable and more blessing comes on the giving side than on the receiving side. And I, I've said many times over the years, there was a portion of my life where I didn't really believe that. You know, when I was younger, it's like, hey, yeah, whatever. I'd much rather be on the taken side than the given. But as I got closer to Christ and, and many years ago, I found out it's true. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And the sad fact is most Christians will never learn that because we don't get a biblical mindset of these types of things. So giving is biblical. There's no doubt that Christians are told to be generous, not just with our treasure, but our time. If you're not giving any of your time to God, then that's not a good thing. I appreciate you being here in church. There's 168 hours in this week, and I'm glad you're sitting in church for an hour, but is is that all God's going to get? Is that all of our time He's going to get? What about... Well, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to, to get to another service a week. I don't, I don't have time to, to do Christian things during the week. My friend, that's not being generous with our time if we're giving God one and we're keeping 168. Does that make sense to you? That doesn't mean you're at church 24 hours a day. It just means that you, you build in these, these Christ-like activities during your week so that you can be generous with your time. What about your talents? Many of you have, each one of you have talents that you usually use them to make money, you use them to better your life, are you using those talents for the Lord? And each one of you could be using those talents for the Lord. So sometimes we talk about stewardship, people's minds automatically goes to money, but it's actually much more than money. It's time, talent, treasure, testimony, and so on. And so we ought to have this idea that we want to be generous with everything that God has given us. God empowers us, to live above the sins of covetousness and greed. Luke 12, 15, uh, And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. So Jesus said, Hey, don't fall into this trap. 
Your life is more than your possessions. Your life is more than your bank account. Your life is more than your savings. Your life is more than, than uh, the materialism surrounding you. Uh, there are more important things in life. And so Christians should be generous. As a matter of fact, God goes on to tell us the way to get is actually to give. I know it doesn't make sense, but the way to give, if you give in Jesus' name for His causes under His leadership, the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, give and it shall be given unto you. And so you can't outgive God. That's not a cliche. It's an absolute truth. You can't outgive the Lord. And so let's, let's talk about this idea, four types of giving. Now, some of you are like, oh, man, I'm barely paying the bills now. And how are we supposed to do this? And, and I, don't, I don't know what's... Listen, take in the truth, process the truth, yield to the scriptures, and then pray for God to give us wisdom to learn how to make our lives fit the Scriptures, right? So our goal is not to make the Scriptures fit our lives, right? Our goal is to make our lives fit the Scriptures. And sometimes people are in a mess. Sometimes they are just barely making it. Sometimes they've, they've, they're, they're too leveraged out with monthly payments and all these things. And, and, and they've got themselves in a bad place financially, but let me just encourage you. The way to get out of that bad place financially is to trust and obey. Because you need God's help to get you out. You don't want to dig out yourself. You want God to come along and say, hey, take my yoke upon you. Let's do this together. And then God can make it work where we can't. All right, so let's look at the four types of biblical giving. Number one, alms, A-L-M-S. Alms is giving to relieve the poor. It could be money, food, clothing, shelter. But we know from the scriptures that God expects us to look for the, the needs of the less fortunate and fulfill them as he leads us by his Holy Spirit. Uh, and so this is alms. So one way that we can give, and I recommend you put this in your budget, could just be $5 a week, $10 a week, could be much more than that, depending on your financial situation. But set aside some money every week that you just keep in your wallet or you keep in a place at home that if you see a need, you have extra money to help someone with that need. Uh, so, for example, you see years ago at church, somebody was coming to church with, with bald tires. And some guys in the church noticed the tires and said, hey, we're going we're gonna to buy some tires for, for these folks. Now, it wasn't a big thing. wasn't a bunch of pomp and circumstance. That's a safety issue and something to help. Uh, years ago... Uh, somebody saw somebody coming and, and their, their shoes, and they were wearing the best they had, uh, but their shoes were just really, really tattered. And you could tell that they were even getting holes on the bottom. And somebody said, you know what? I'm going to buy that person some shoes. Bought them a nice pair of shoes so they could come to church and in that. And so uh, these are just ways where you can help people. I get frustrated with our culture because I, I like helping people, but I, I have a hard time knowing when to help panhandlers, Right? Because sometimes there's people that really need help, and then other times they make three, four, five hundred dollars a week sitting on a corner uh, and, and asking for money. And so we really have to, to just try to sense the leadership of the Holy Spirit. I remember one time we were up in Providence, we pulled up to a stop sign, and as we were pulling up, there was a guy up here panhandling. And um, we pull up, my, my son's like, hey, Dad, are you going to help him? I said, no, son, I'm not going to help him. He said, but he needs help. I said, son, look at his socks. 
bright white Nike socks. I said, those are nicer socks than I'm wearing. Look at his tennis shoes, son. Air Jordans. I don't have a pair of Air Jordans. Look at the backpack behind him. New looking Nike backpack. I don't have a Nike backpack. I'm not going to help him, son. Now, maybe you disagree with that, but uh, if I was a hobo, I surely, and, and someone did give me a $30 pair of socks, I wouldn't wear them panhandling, all right? I would wear them to church, all right, or, or save them for, for something else. But oftentimes what happens is I've, I've talked to these people, and they laugh, they joke, man, these suckers out there, they give us money, and we make money. They go Friday, Saturday, they go out and stand on a corner for three or four hours, and, and they make three or four hundred dollars a week. Uh, and then usually go spend it on cigarettes and such. So it's frustrating to me. It's frustrating. However, if the Holy Spirit says, and, and I try to get in the habit of asking, Lord, should I help that person? Lord, should I help that person? Lord, should I help that person? If the Lord says, yeah, help him, then let's give an alms. Sometimes you see somebody struggling with something, and you say, Lord, can, should I help that person? I rarely, though, give people cash helping them on the street. Uh, because oftentimes they're going to buy cigarettes, alcohol, or drugs. They're probably on the street for a reason. Not everybody. I'm just saying this is the frustrating part of it. But oftentimes I'll tell people if they need food, I'll say, why don't you follow me down to McDonald's? I'll buy you a meal. If they need gas, I'll say, why don't you, you know, sometimes people stop in here at the church. Hey, I need some gas so I can get to work this week. So you know what? I'll get you some gas, but why don't you follow me down to Northups and I'll, I'll fill your tank. Sometimes I'll even ask them, uh, if I feel like I should give money, I'll say, you going to buy cigarettes with this? You going to buy alcohol with this? And sometimes they'll tell you, yep. <laughs> you know? So I'm just saying that we need to be wise. However, where I think almsgiving begins is in the church house. All right? So we start in the church with alms. Then we look at our family and, and, and our, our world out there with alms. And then as we're going throughout life, but we always ought to have an eye looking for the less fortunate. Is that helpful to you? This is the type of giving that most people don't think about. In our church, we call it an other's offering. So someone can give an other's offering if they know somebody's hurting and they don't want to, to hand them money or they don't want to, to, them to know who's helping. You can give an other's offering and we'll, we'll disperse that for you. Sometimes we'll just have an other's offering where our church kind of just... We usually try to have a couple thousand dollars in an other's account so when people struggling or a need comes up, we can help them with that. That's a type of alms giving. But the personal giving is important where you're keeping an eye out personally for the needs of others. Sometimes that's just buying someone a coffee. You know, they need a little pick-me-up. You can tell someone's discouraged. Hey, can I buy you a coffee or can I get you some pizza? Or you know, Just keeping mindful of the needs of others. All right, next, number two, <clears throat> the tithe. All right, Leviticus 27.30 says, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. This is the important thing about the tithe. Tithe means 10%. Throughout the scriptures, you find that one way you honored God was to give 10% of all of your, of all of your income. Now, that wasn't always money. If you had a farm, it would be... 10% of your harvest. If you had herds, it would be 10% of your, your income from the herds, and so on and so forth. And so this idea that we are to give 10% is found all 
through the scriptures. The idea is everything we have and are belongs to God. He allows us to keep most of our increase, but the tithe is not ours. It is the Lord's. So God says, Paul, I'm going to give you $100, but $10 of it is mine. And I'm checking to see if you're going to give it back to me. You see how this works? Paul, I'm going to give you a dollar, but a dime of it is mine. And I'm testing you to see if you're going to give it back to me. And one thing I love about being a percentage is it doesn't matter how broke you are or how rich you are, (laughs) right? If you have a penny, you cut it up into 10 pieces and you give one of them to God. No, I'm kidding. You don't have to do that. In today's market, you can wait till you get nine more pennies. Amen? Or just give that penny to the Lord, right? Give your two mites. But the idea, the idea is that God says, I'm going to give you some stuff, but 10% of it's mine. I'm testing you to see if you're going to give it back. Look at Malachi chapter 3. <clears throat> and I've got to move quickly here. Malachi chapter 3. Bible here talking to the children of Israel. Malachi chapter 3, and look at verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, see this is the conversation he's having with Israel. Who's foolish enough to rob God? But you've robbed me. They said, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings was the Lord's answer. So now watch this. What's the the consequence of not giving the tithes and offerings? Ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. So the curse is not some incantation. This isn't witchcraft. He's basically saying, you have lost my blessing. The field is not going to give to you its full it's like trying to put your money into a bag that's got a hole in it and your money's disappearing. The devourer is, is not held in, so uh, things are just going to be coming up, taking your money. It's like you can't seem to save. Always something comes up. There's always a bill. There's always some unforeseen thing. Uh, my preacher used to say, if you don't give God the tithe, you won't keep it. He'll make sure it goes to somebody else. It might go to the HVAC guy. It might go to the plumber. It might go to the auto mechanic. It might go wherever, but you're not going to keep it. This is the curse. Uh, and it's hard enough to get money. Money comes quickly and leaves, leaves quickly. Or money comes, it's hard to come by, but it leaves quickly. What about if money is, is hard to get and even harder to get and even harder to get and then it leaves even faster? Well, you don't want to be in that cycle. All right, so let's, let's look on. By the way, nations, nations can be cursed as well. See all the financial struggles in America? Folks, it's a judgment of God. As America turns away from God, you see the, and boy, the judgment, you see it everywhere. Crazy weather patterns, the unruliness of the people. But the the financial difficulties, the instability of the American currency and all of that, is part of, I believe, a judgment of God on a nation that's turning its back away from God. And so we have to understand that. If that happens to a nation, it's certainly going to happen to me or my family. 
All right, so here's what God says, verse 10. How do you fix it? Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. So the storehouse in the New Testament is the church house. I might give to other things. I might give to the sword of the Lord. I might give to an evangelist. I might give to a missionary. But, but those are offerings. The tithe goes to the storehouse, which is the local church you're being fed at. So if you're getting fed at, spiritually fed at Curtis Corner Baptist Church, that's where you should, get, that's where you should send your tithe. Perhaps when I was a, a member of Blessed Hope Baptist Church and I went to Bible college, but that's where I was getting fed, I gave my tithe. After talking to the preacher, I gave my tithe to the place where I was getting fed because that's the storehouse, all right? Uh, and so it goes to the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith. So God says, I'm daring you. I'm daring you with this thing. And prove me now herewith if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. But God says, I dare you. I dare you. Oh, it doesn't make sense. I dare you, God says. Well, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I dare you. I dare you to see if I won't keep my word. This doesn't mean sometimes things won't get tight. It just makes him coming through in marvelous ways that much more wonderful and miraculous. And so God always keeps his word. And then look at verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. We already mentioned this. What's the devourer? He's the one that destroys the fruit of the ground and the vine and so on. He's the one that comes and, and takes uh, those, those costs that keep piling up so we don't keep uh, what we are trying to steal from the Lord. Number 12. Verse 12, and all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. So this idea, there's four types of giving in the Bible. Number one is alms, personal giving, looking out for the needs of the less fortunate. Number two is the tithe, 10% of my increase given to God because it belongs to him. And watch this, you're not giving the tithe to God as if you're being generous, you're returning the tithe to God. If I ask you to hold my wallet for a minute and you give it back to me, that's not some act of greatness. That's not an act of sacrifice. It's mine, right? And when we give God the tithe, it's not, a, it's not an act of great sacrifice. It just makes sense. It's mine. And so we give it. Let me just say quickly, some people say, well, tithing is really not for the New Testament. And uh, I disagree with that. I believe there's four reasons that God gives us why we should tithe in the New Testament. But by the way, committed Christians have given tithes and offerings to God through their local church for 2,000 years without much controversy. It's kind of a new thing where people are like, well, we don't need to tithe in this age. And notice the people who usually say that. It's not like they're giving a lot to God. It's not like they're giving a lot to missionaries. Do you know the average Christian in America gives about 2% to God? Think about that. 2%. These people advocating, well, I'm just supposed to give whatever I want. They're advocating that so they can give less, not more. Let me give you the four reasons why tithing is still appropriate in the New Testament. Number one. God uses giving as a way to measure our faith and obedience. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Lay up not down here, lay up in heaven. Verse 21 says, for where your heart is, there will your treasure be also. God says, I'm using money to test your heart. Just like I said before, the tithe is his. He gives me 100, but only 90 is mine. He's waiting to see if I'm going to give the 10 back to him. It's a test. And that test still goes for today. Matter of fact, Christ 
encouraged it. Number two, God established the tithe before the Old Testament law was given. So some people will say, well, tithing was the law. Christ abolished the law. We're not under the law anymore. We don't have to tithe. But see, they don't know their Bibles very well. Because the first tithe was actually given in Genesis chapter 14 by Abram. And so uh, it's not law. Tithing was before the law. It's not simply dependent upon the law. Jacob honored God by tithing as well, and you can do that study. Number three, Christ commended the Pharisees for giving the tithe. Luke eleven forty two. He said, one of the things you're doing right is tithing. But you also ought to be doing these other things also. And then number four, why we should, why we should tithe in the New Testament is the New Testament commands grace giving. So think about it like this. The tithe is the lowest acceptable amount of giving. It's, it's demanded. It's mandated. It's not even a choice. It's a matter of obedience. But God in the New Testament says, I want you to go over and above the tithe. I want you to give by grace. Grace is the supernatural power of God to do His will. Sometimes it's also the unmerited favor of God. But grace is a big word used in, in multiple ways. One of the ways grace is used is supernatural strength of God, the supernatural empowering of God. So God says, I don't want you to, in the New Testament, since Christ died, was buried, rose again, you're indwelt with the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to do the least amount possible. I want you to rise up and live a supernatural life and be like me, Jesus said. So the expectation in the New Testament, the reason why it doesn't talk about tithing a lot just like you don't talk about your kids a lot not to go to the bathroom in, the, in their diaper when they're 12. It's like we stopped having that conversation when you were like six months old. No, I'm kidding. You're like, we stopped having that conversation when you were four. You know, hey, don't bite your sister. You don't say that to your teenage kids. You know, hey, uh, all the things that you say to the children, you stop having those conversations because we're past that. We're beyond that. And God in the New Testament, he definitely says tithing is still in force, but we're so far beyond that, I want you to think bigger than that. And that's where we get the idea of grace giving. So I said, number one, the type of giving is alms. Number two, second type of giving is the tithe. Number three, the third type of giving is offerings. We won't spend a lot of time on this, I'll just mention it. You see here, where have they robbed God? In Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, in tithes and offerings. So here's how this simply works. The tithe belongs to God. We return the tithe to God. Not ours to keep. But then we get to decide what else we want to give. So let's say God gives me $100. $10 belongs to Him. $90 is mine to be a steward of, to do with what I want. But God says, I want you to be thoughtful. I want you to give an offering. Now, that offering could be a dollar, but it's something. And once again, you see the idea that people argue over the tithe, folks. The tithe has been settled. The real thing God's looking for is getting us beyond the tithe to the offering and the grace giving. Uh, and so the offering is anything beyond the tithe, anything I choose to give. Let me make a statement here that might be hard for some to hear. You can't give an offering until you've tithed. You say, well, I, I gave God 5%, so now I'm going to give an offering over here. But no, that's, you can't really give an offering until you tithe. Because you haven't given God back what's His. I'm going to give God, 
I'm going to give God $8 and I'm going to give $2 for missions. No, you, you didn't. Your $8 wasn't a tithe. The $10 is a tithe. Does that make sense to you? And so you can't choose to give what's somebody else's. I can't choose to give Joe's truck away. Um, you know what? I'm going to be a good guy. I'm going to give Lee Joe's truck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He likes that. I like that. But Joe's like, whoa, that's mine. That's the way God is. You can't give an offering until you tithe because you're trying to give away something that belongs to God. But anything over and above the tithe can be offered, and that's a blessing. And the Bible says, has a lot to say about that. Exodus 35.5, Exodus 35.29, Deuteronomy 16.10, the list goes on and on. The Bible talks a lot about offerings, but that's a free will gift to the Lord. All right, the last type of giving is grace giving, which I mentioned already. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The four types of giving in the Bible, alms, tithe, offering, grace giving. 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 gives a, a wonderful doctrinal treatise on giving in the New Testament. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. <clears throat> It starts off with an illustration of a very generous people who didn't have much to give. Look at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep what? Poverty. So affliction and poverty, but they had joy, abounded unto the riches of their what? Liberality. They were generous in spite of affliction in spite of poverty. All right, so some of the most giving people I've ever known have been some of the poorest people I've ever known. Generosity is not an, an amount of money. The truth is, if you won't give when you have 20 bucks, you won't give when you have 20,000. It's, it's a heart issue, right? It's a, it's a character thing. And what I've learned is you give when you don't have and you develop the heart to give. And then God gives you more, and then you can give more, all right? But notice, notice where they're, why this happened. Verse 3, For to their power, I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. So I want you to notice two things. So to their power, so they gave what they were able to give, and then they gave beyond what they should have been able to give. This is grace giving. Grace giving is supernaturally giving more than you think you can because God makes up the difference. All right, And the Bible says, but they first were willing of themselves. They first gave themselves. Look at verse 5. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Now I want you to look at me. The matter of giving is not about money at all. It's about this. If God doesn't have my heart, he certainly won't have my wallet. If God has my heart, I won't fight him over my wallet. But see, the thing that, that most Christians never learn is we're so afraid that when we give to God, he's going to take it all. <laughs> you know, it's like, he's just going to take all my money. I'm not going to have anywhere to live. I'm not going to have him pay, pay my bills. He's just going to take everything. How are we going to live? He's not going to take everything. He's going to give you more than you had. It's just like what people think that whenever you surrender your heart to God, that he's going to make you a missionary to like Uganda. 
or the Congo, you know, where there's a civil war. It's like, well, I'm afraid if I surrender to God, he's going to... No, every Christian ought to surrender fully to God. God, I'll do anything you want me to do. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll, I will serve you in any capacity. You know, for 90% of you, what God's going to say, good, go to work tomorrow, be a good Christian. Be a good husband, be a good wife, be like Jesus. Get out the gospel this week. Go to church on Sunday. Find a ministry to work in. For 